Welcome to the Health Shift Podcast, my new opportunity in addition to newsletters, blogs, and posts to educate, support, and discuss cutting edge healing technologies. This is about shifting the healthcare paradigm from disease management to total well being in body, mind, and spirit. During each session and episode, I will be speaking with a variety of practitioners, from medical doctors to acupuncturists, to neuropsychologists, to astrologers, and physicians using psychedelic medicines to heal trauma, addiction, and treatment-resistant depression. This really is the best of both worlds, conventional and integrative healing modalities. Why a podcast? We are mobile, we are busy, and we crave learning about health hacks to support mind, body, and spirit challenges. Why me? Well, for those of you who know me, my road less traveled has sure had many twists and turns in the health and trauma arenas. And my challenges have only fueled my passion more to share with you an easier way. Many of us can say, been there and done that. But my continued journey of traumas, medically, financially, emotionally, have not only strengthened me, but have allowed me to help thousands of others to feel held, heard, and supported. My intention here is for you to get the 411 and implement healing faster than my long road. I've always been a seeker, a seeker of peace, inclusion, unity. And these themes are so very powerful at this time in our world. Let me share a little bit about me and my journey so that you can get to know me, an ordinary person on an extraordinary mission. And while my story is mine, you may identify with certain themes of undeserving, hormonal issues, gut stuff, overweight, finding your purpose and staying committed. And if you do, please join me as we move you from feeling like shit to making a shift, a health shift. I was born in Medford, Massachusetts, named after my mom's favorite nun, Sister Julie. Hold on to that thought, because while I was raised Catholic, and love many of the traditions. I've always been more non-denominational, curious about other spiritual traditions and teachers or gurus. Much of my early life, I cannot recall. Some of that remains repressed. But I can tell you that by the time I was seven years old, I was double what my weight was supposed to be, and I was quite anxious. My name was Fat Fern after my last name, and I often ran home from school crying to my mom, who had cookies and milk waiting for me. We devoured whole boxes of cookies, ate copious portions of desserts, and shared what we now call addictive eating in common. By the time I was nine, I was on my first diet with my folks, who also struggled with obesity and addiction. Mum the food and dad the booze. Life was tense, often quite scary, and there needed to be silence at the dinner table and in the car, no laughing, no singing. Speaking of singing, I love to sing, and I was chose for just about every choir and solo right through high school. Music has been a powerful influence in my life. I was a cantor for many years, sang for most of the family and friend weddings and funerals, and began a contemporary music ensemble to raise money for the mental health agencies when our town was ravaged by teen suicides. I had lots of weird health challenges, significant adolescent female issues that extended into adult infertility and miscarriage. And the word hormones and sex were not allowed to be spoken in my home when I was growing up. 
I had allergies and every skin infection that came down the pike, a lot of stomach stuff, and finally migraines by the time I was an adolescent. I went from a pretty dysfunctional home right into dysfunctional marriages, and there is no blame on one side or the other. But let's just say, if you don't have a clear sense of self entering marriage, it's hard for things to be successful. Not only was my first marriage unsuccessful, but abusive and frightening. I often describe how I slept on the kitchen floor with the phone in one hand and the keys in the other in case I needed to run. I was stalked, called in the middle of the night with threats, videotaped when walking our daughter or just being out and about. And it was also videotaped as I would be walking in and out of work. I got used to surveying the area and was constantly in fight, flight, and freeze mode. Something I always also recall as a child. I did manage to get to the other side with therapy and support, learned a lot about myself, my lack of boundary setting, giving more to others than receiving due to feeling unworthy and devoted my graduate studies and beyond to helping others not fall into these traps. Moving on, my second husband died a tragic death and I needed to go into a bankruptcy, which was so humiliating. That's another whole long story. I never spent beyond my means, grew up with constant fighting about money. And because I was an only child, my folks did not want me to be spoiled. And so I had to start work before even having working papers. I had to pay for college, my car, and my mom made some of my clothes out of curtain material. Dad repurposed my bikes. I never got those cool handlebars. And because my dad would not give mom money to buy clothing, he also was feeling that he did not want to give me things that would cause me to be spoiled. Clearly, I got the message that I was unworthy, did not deserve financial success, and that one has followed me for years. My husbands were creative, charismatic, brilliant, fun, and yet severely emotionally wounded. Some features actually similar to my dad, despite thinking that I was choosing differently. What I wanted was a partner, yet given my own woundedness, I was unable to allow myself to choose this. Of course, this was all deeply hidden from myself. And unless one desires transformation, it stays hidden. And so I kept exploring. This is so important for all of us to understand. It is not about who is good or bad, right or wrong but of how one loves oneself before committing to another. Yet despite early messages of unworthiness being in abusive relationships that carried on the male archetype of power and dominance over women, you know, the unhealthy actions that we often take due to feeling comfortable in a twisted way, I kept going, impassioned by my own vision of creating integrative healing for me and others this is something I had dreamed of in college, and yet there was nothing like this I knew of back in my day. And so I started taking courses on starting a healthcare business, became credentialed in functional medicine and mind-body medicine, started my private practice, something unheard of for dietitians back in the day. And my practice started booming until I began to feel really unwell, and it took almost two years to diagnose the perfect storm, a rare leukemia. Lyme, a staph infection, and a quite suppressed immune system. It seemed overnight that my blood counts dropped, and I will always remember the Sunday evening when my endocrinologist called me in a panic and he said, You got to get to hematology tomorrow. And thus the long and convoluted path began. 
And because I didn't want to start with chemotherapy, I wanted to learn more about this rare leukemia and the various approaches for treating it. I had an intuitive feeling that chemo may not hold the complete answer. I worked with naturopaths, energy healers, my oncologist, and yet my body was not responding. I finally had chemo and the worst situation did arise. I had a massive reaction and my oncologist at that time was at a loss, was quite worried and didn't know what to do, but my naturopath did. It was an especially precarious time. I was quarantined for three months, was on antibiotics for two and a half months, and we all know what happens to the gut on antibiotics. I developed more allergies, had a rash 24-7 that lasted for three months, and the only thing that got me through it was focusing on my breath and doing gentle yoga. Luckily, I had just completed my second yoga certification prior to this whole mess, and during my quarantine, I revamped my entire practice and began to focus on genetics, functional labs, and really combining the best of both worlds. Now, remember those financial struggles, no child support, bankruptcy following my second husband's death. He was ill for three and a half years in hospitals and long-term care uh, facilities, and I provided the medical insurance, and I was self-employed. And so I had to dig into some of my retirement, And one of my colleagues, a psychiatrist, suggested that I start using Skype. This was pre-telehealth days. I was pretty unsure because I loved the energy exchange of being in person, but I decided to give it a try. And both me and my patients loved it. I got better, but I kept hitting walls with poor energy, weird rashes, rainouts that popped up at various times and increasing stomach issues. And then a client of mine mentioned shamanism and entheogenic medicine. I'd never heard of this and in general ran the other way when I heard the words pot, psychedelic or hippie, anything. My folks talked about the bad stuff out there and I was pretty sheltered and anxious as a result. I began to research this and the idea of Indian philosophy really resonated. I have American Indian heritage on both sides of my family, felt really aligned with how they respected the earth, nature and animals. So I chose to give up my fears and biases did research and prepared for my first journey. And I found this experience to be profound in my process. It was no picnic preparation. In fact, there were a few months of journaling, meeting with my shamanist, uh, shaman therapist, sharing my life story and the intention for the medicine. Finally, the day came. And what I saw during my journey or trip was that life would continue to have great challenges And indeed, it did. My mom died. I realized a month later that I needed to sell my home due to my own illness. And so I downsized and moved to a new home in a place that I was hoping to start a fresh start. Within three months of that move, I developed the staph infection and was quarantined. A year and a half later, my younger daughter became suicidal. And after three unsuccessful traditional hospitalizations, I reached out to residential programs that offered a more holistic approach in addition to medical management. I decided to sell my home for the second time, cashed in the rest of my retirement and saved only enough money in my life insurance to bury me. I did not want to uh, burden my older daughter with that. I moved across the country to a tiny studio with Tammy, who is now 17 and a half. She's my little sheepoo who has been on this wild ride called life with me. 
My move was prompted by feeling dead ends in a few areas. Professionally, the East Coast was still entrenched in conventional medicine, and I just wasn't feeling well in the colder weather any longer. And so I decided to have meetings with a few key folks, Dr. Patrick Hannaway, who was the director of the Institute for Functional Medicine, and he was also the co-director of functional medicine at the Cleveland Clinic with Mark Hyman, Bruce Lipton, quantum biologist and epigeneticist, and Dr. Heather Ensworth, a neuropsychologist and astrologer. I also added into the mix a relocation astrologer so that I could look at good areas of the country where I might settle. And after covering all sides, I felt comfortable with packing up and moving to California, a place that I had also thought of in college. And while life has continued with some curveballs, fires and floods requiring a few moves, I consider this to be an adventure. When you hear the phrase making lemonade out of lemons, it's true. It's all about staying committed to your purpose in life, listening to that inner voice of truth, not the inner critic. Come and join me on this amazing journey called life. You can find me at juliefreeman.net for newsletters, blogs, courses, and specials. On Instagram at Julie Freeman Mindful Wellness. And on YouTube, Julie Freeman Functional Medicine La Jolla. I look forward to having you join me on the Health Shift podcast. May you be healed, whole, and healthy. Mm-hmm.